Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I have an apology to make. I um, yesterday tweeted out from the podcast account that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast would likely be just Evan and I. Uh, because Brad and his wife Crystal are expecting the birth of uh, their second child uh, and first son, um, and he's in no rush. And so we are very unfortunately today joined by host of the Winged Wheel podcast, Brad Crisco. So we have a full three host set for all of you who are excited for a Bradless episode. Just two of the hosts. I send you my deepest deepest apologies i just want to go on record as saying i hate you i hate you i hate everyone i hate everything i hate the canadian healthcare system i hate the bills i hate the red Wings. oh bills put it in the jar there it is i uh, hate what no, are we doing? I, was, I was dumping on the bills $75. i hate dollars 75 dollars i hate time. this stupid tip jar i hate twitter i hate everything today <laughs> and i and i hate a thing that I really can't say yet because we haven't announced it yet, but I'm very rattled about a whole other thing right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... I, I'm Brad's just, just a ball of hate I'm right angry now. today. Without it's, it's, not, it's not even like... This is like a true... One of the true days is just legitimate anger, which what? I don't experience very often. I'm, I'm a pretty mellow, easygoing guy. I like to dump on the Red Wings and all that for funsies and stuff, right? But no, I'm like, anger's at an all-time high today. When Brad's angry for a reason, like football or, or hockey or something else, Evan and I usually like to pick on it, but with everything that's happened today, it's just like, you know, they have to wait to get Crystal in the hospital. Even though there's, from what I've gathered, no reason to. <laughs> we we can't pick on that, but yeah. Transitioning kind of into something podcast-related, we have something devastatingly exciting to bring you guys later this week um we'll give patrons a sneak peek of it because we will let you guys get in on it as of monday um we'll see how much we announce before to the rest of the world on twitter we'll we'll, we'll talk about it and there's a chance that chance it's 90 percent that the little man is gonna remove brad's ability to participate in said fun thing if they say parenting is all about sacrifice if crystal goes into labor if they if they get crystal in tomorrow or tuesday there's a 100 percent chance i will not keep her away from all spicy foods but the thing is i've already got this week booked off work so like i we can't delay it because i don't get that time off afterwards Right, like I wanted this to go on Saturday because they told us it was happening Saturday. Right, how many kids do you have? None. How many do you have? None. How happy are you? Ninety percent of the time. Thrilled. Yes, I lose thirty-five minutes of my day due to something that wasn't my fault, and I still get to have the rest of my day. (laughs) I look at the people who have kids, and then I look at the people who drive around in really nice cars with the license plate that says "No Kids," (laughs) and I'm and I'm like, God. How could I? How could I be on the one side? You know what? I, C- counterpoint. You've both met Mika. 
Yes. Nope. No, no, look. The kids are great. <laughs> I'm not sure where that's supposed to swing me. My, wait, it's not like I'm sitting there and I don't have a window into that. I see Mika twice a week. It's awesome. My friends yeah, are Yeah, but you can leave. You, yeah, you got the option of leaving. You lucked out twice exactly. here. Exactly. Brad gets it. Finally. You're like the cool uncle. That's all you need to that's be in. No I, blood relation. That's all I want to be. We're just, just to spite you, Crystal and I are going to change our will up so that if we die together, you get her. Listen here, because you know that'll torment my soul, because obviously I'll want to be there for her. And you know it's hard for me because I want to kill you for saying that, but now that's counterintuitive. You want to be there, but not from a legal obligation. No, See, I have to I have to screw both of you. You get you get Mika, you get little man. No, Absolutely you give him the not. dogs. <laughs> and you know what? The dogs do like him better because he plays with them. Yeah, this is true. I literally just stand beside all and he just farts and sneezes on me. Well, yeah, but you seem entertained by it, so... Yeah, that's what I come to expect from both of them. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm angry. I'm Evan. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we do have a lot of things to talk about this episode. The Red Wings have played some hockey and then some hockey. Do you call most of that hockey? Well, Brad, you missed the Friday game, and that is... Was a blessing, and it's one of the few things I'm happy about right yes. now. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. We want you to celebrate with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long, especially when they have their miraculous third periods that we haven't seen in some time. Uh, find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Cellion. Uh, limited edition uh, Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light team cans are available. Uh, they're the official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings, and for the Red Wings eking out their first point in eight games. Eight games? Yeah. And I'm still angry about that point. Why? Give me a win or give me a tank. Don't half-ass this BS. None. These loser points are what have killed the Red Wings in the past couple of years. That might be why we don't have Jack Hughes or Rasmus Dahlien right now. Enough <laughs> of it. Win and give me the satisfaction or just lose in regulation like the Ottawa Senators. Here's the thing. That was the best third period I've seen Detroit play in a long time. That was the best period of hockey they've played this year by a mile. Uh, home opener had some good had some good. Struggles. They didn't have a period. Dude, the shots were like 31 to 19 for the Wings at one point. Yeah, today. but Mantha scored four goals. And truly, that trumps everything. But they were spread out more. It's not a team effort. That's just one player. It's hard to have a team effort when you're lacking a lot of the team. Anyhow. Uh, well, no, you're right. That probably was one of, if not the best period of Red Wings hockey that we've seen so far. They came out all guns ablaze in the third, which is, again antithetical to how this team's been playing. They were playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, went into the third period down 3-1, to one and buried three unanswered. It was... They were absolutely buzzing, because it went Larkin and then Bertuzzi. No. Larkin, Philpola, Bertuzzi. Yeah. I thought the Philpola goal was off Athens CU. So did I, and I, I was got... like, Philpola willed the Athens CU first but goal. But then as soon as I thought about it, I'm like, no, that... That was Athens CU. That definitely hit the defenseman. Yeah, it hit Petrangelo. Yeah, 100%. How funny is it that <laughs> Phil, uh, Prashanth Iyer put something out a few days ago, like talking about um, he was just teaching himself something uh, with an analytics or like some uh, mathematical concept, and he used uh, best five on five uh, shooters. Not exactly that, but just like probability that their shot will be effective or something to that uh, that effect. I apologize, Prashanth, for butchering that. Um, but Philpola was like really high up on that list, which is hysterical because he never shoots. 
Yeah, he doesn't shoot unless he's got an open net at the top of the crease. So of course, his percentage would be high. So he always looks for pass. And how funny is it that he scores trying to pass it? <laughs> yeah, he scores his only goal of the season off a pass is the most Val Philpola thing ever. We saw a few people uh, talking about how he should have just shot that to start. It's like, no, you had... No, it was the right play. There. Yeah. It, the, I think Athanasiu... The puck went in. Case in point, it was the right play. Athanasiu shouldn't have been glued to Petrangelo. He maybe should have put the brakes on to put himself open because Petrangelo was very obviously moving to the net with momentum that he couldn't control. Um, still, it worked out well. When you have four feet and two sticks at the top of the crease moving towards the net, it's never a bad idea to put the puck in there. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, the, this game for the Red Wings, the start was ugly. The start was just so what we've seen the last eight games. Um, bad penalties, a worse penalty kill. And I want to talk about this penalty kill. <laughs> the Red Wings aren't exactly phenomenal in positioning. But when you have set plays or things that you can practice that are genuinely almost consistent every time like a penalty kill or a power play that should be the one area of your game if you're a bad team where you should try to focus on just locking that down like be a bad team five on five be inefficient on the power play whatever what's the red wings power play at right now like 11 percent. but just lock down the penalty kill i can't tell if they're running a diamond i can't tell if they're collapsing to the crease why is madison bowie con- madison bowie's in like the neutral zone why is madison bowie on the penalty kill there's just so many questions that I have. I don't know. I think they're trying to run that option T formation, and nobody knows how to, and their on-ice communication <laughs> just seems terrible. It's, they, they need to just novice hockey this and just go, just stand in the box. Just don't move. Admittedly, three of their best players this season are out in Glendening, Abdelkader, and DeKaiser. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. Abdelkader has improved. I nobody is arguing that <laughs> to say he, the, the narrative that's going around that he's been good is yes the Corsi and the shots and all that on, on his line are up but how many actual high quality scoring chances have they had Not I think as, he's generated more than his fair share this year <laughs> what standard are you putting that up against Ryan his are own. you talking about a Red Wing standard or a good NHL standard Look, look, no player, like with three players on this team should be held to a good NHL standard. Everyone else should be, just try your best, sweetheart. Honey, just just do your best out there and that's all we can ask. There's Abdel- millions of dollars. There's, there's <laughs> one aspect of Justin Abdelkader's game this year that I can comfortably say has been really good. And that's been his passing. And that, don't, I'm as surprised as you are. But he has made some A-plus passes in several of them, and he's been rewarded with a lot of primary, a couple primary assists because of it. But he still falls down all the time. His shot's atrocious. He loses board battles. But when he, when he does successfully get the puck, he's been doing good things with it. But I'm not buying into the narrative he's been good because my eyes will not let me believe that. I've read the numbers. It, it, eye test doesn't match analytics in this case. Okay, by the numbers, I'm going to use a site called Hockey Stat Cards, and they they give us something called uh, Game Score. And isn't that uh, Dom? Is it Dom that does Game Score? Dom does Game Score, uh, unless multiple sites just kind of have the same someone, concept. Someone might, they might be pulling from Dom. I apologize if I have yeah. that wrong. Anyways, uh, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Helm are the top four forwards by average Game Score, which I think makes sense. Yeah, th- how they've played. three best forwards, and then a guy who's been playing with Larkin and Bertuzzi for a good chunk of the season. Fifth place is an applicator. Yeah, no, I, I but with like half of what they have, or a third. He's still responsible defensively. Got to give him that. 
but what I meant by that was, you know, missing Glenn Denning and missing DeKaiser and even Abdelkader playing above what we're used to. This team is going to be struggling in areas where they weren't expecting to be struggling. That second half of the sentence just nicks that because they, of course, are going to expect to struggle. But you're going to get a lot of inconsistency in a season full of inconsistencies well, when they go down. You're talking specifically about the penalty kill here. DeKaiser, Glenn Denning, and Abdelkader are three of the four most used penalty killers on this team probably yeah, along exactly. with maybe Nemeth. A problem I had with the, the penalty kill today was just every single pass that St. Louis made was just straight across the middle. It was across laterally uh, the Red Wings' defensive zone. And it's like, look, if you're going to be a bad penalty kill, fine, but at least keep them to the perimeter. How are you going to let them ha- make Bernier move side to side, get the defenseman moving, get the coverage moving, and get the, the, the screens for the lanes for the shot? Like, You cannot be doing that. Get a stick on the puck, sacrifice the body, jam up the play. It's not... Put yourself in the middle of all of it. It's the easiest deployment you can have on the penalty kill. Don't let them pass through the middle. And so many unobstructed passes right through the middle. If you want to know why having players who can skate on the penalty kill is important, this is why. Because obviously puck recovery is a huge part of it too. But if there's a seam in the middle and you have a defenseman who can skate, he can step up into that lane and not really worry too much about the guy five feet behind him because he knows his partner's in that lane because that's... From the half wall to the back post is not a pass that happens very often, right? Because the defenseman in front of the net will have that shut down. So the back defenseman can run out and take that lane. Or the forward can drift down and leave his guy at the point an extra 10 feet. Because if the puck goes to that guy, you can skate back into position quickly. That's why you need skaters on there. Because you can jump back and forth to where you need to be and still not blow your coverage. Yeah. the, The penalty kill hurt them tonight. Um, even when they took the lead, they took a too many men on the ice penalty, which was a stupid penalty to take. When you're leading and may, might be winning your first game in eight, you take a stupid too many men on the ice penalty. The Red Wings take a lot of them. They take and, a lot of stupid penalties this year. And a lot of our criticism of Jeff Blashill has been, you know, fair or unfair in most people's eyes, but too many men is 100% of the time the coach's fault. No, this, this is... 100%. A- you guys have to know who's going, and that's on you. The way... A line change works in the NHL and any level above house league is the coach yells out what line's going. You acknowledge the coach so he knows he heard you. And then you talk to your line mates and say, you know, I got flip. I got helm. I got so-and-so. So there's no confusion. There cannot be confusion. So anytime that happens, it's on the coach because someone didn't thought they were going or someone didn't know they were going. A thousand percent. It is like you can only blame Blashill so much. The team's not scoring. Well, it's kind of hard when you don't have a lot of scores. Yeah. The team, you know, they're they're not efficient on the power play or their breakout's bad, whatever. Like, there's there's things where you can assign some blame but not all. And there's so much in the category of, okay, well, you can't expect that from Blashill. But the, the little things you, get, you can get right is exactly what you need the coach to be getting right, especially in a season where nothing else good is happening for the team. It's like why Lions fans get so mad when Matt Patricia or whoever else the coach was like, you know, throws a challenge flag and they can't challenge the play and all of a sudden the, the Lions lose a, a potential touchdown. It's just like the stupid technical errors that hurt the team that shouldn't be. It's not as technical football. There's a lot of, like, ticky-tacky rules like that. But y- you get the point that I'm making. Like, What? M- most of our... <laughs> did, did you just sit, go to speak and then I looked at you and you said, what? I was trying to cut off the football talk. Oh, yeah, that's oh. fair. Um, no, because most of our criticism of Blashill this year has been... We don't like this line combination. We think this is wrong. Knowing full well, whatever he does probably isn't going to work. We just think this is going to work less. 
Yeah. This is this is just dumb. This is just bad coaching. And it's, again, context matters because four minutes left in the third period of the first game you've been winning in how long? Forever. <sighs> I, it's been since like 2013 since they've had a lead. Something like that. One time we, uh, this kid didn't know he was supposed to jump over the boards and he, we pushed him over and he <laughs> broke his arm. <laughs> and no one felt bad. Where did that come from? It just made me think of like when Brad was saying, you know who you got and, and whatnot. Yeah. And the bench was like, it's a b- bunch of big guys. And yeah, you know, when we add one more person, there's no room. You got to squeeze somebody out. So the guy who was supposed to go, we pushed him over the boards and he wasn't ready for the push and broke his arm. There was one time it was actually, it was a game. It was a game five, but it was a game seven when I played double A. It was play downs. It was best of five series. So it was game five. And we were playing in Niagara, and they had these boards that were like an ex- extra foot higher. It was so stupid. And I jumped the boards, and uh, the defenseman I was replacing got spooked by the play and went back in. And I had to, sk- I was already three strides out, and I had to skate three strides back and jump as high as I could. I'm not a vertical athlete. Uh, w- <laughs> Hockey is a very horizontal sport. Uh, I did not have the height for that. I got one leg over, and I crunched. One leg on either side of the of the boards. Nice. Yeah, it was a bad time. Just take the door, man. <laughs> that was a bad... Just take the door. <laughs> it was so high up. Yeah, it was really bad. No, the, the, the Red Wings, honestly, for this St. Louis game, and we'll talk about the other games for or later, but this St. Louis game, their best overall effort in eight games. It's sad that it only translated to one point, but it was their best overall effort in eight games. <laughs> one period. I wouldn't call that first period good. No, first period was bad. Second period... I don't think either team was particularly amazing. See, where they went wrong here was they got the lead in the third period, which was the problem. Because as soon as they went up in the third period, that was it. It was over. They can never be leading in the third period and expect to win. This is just how the Red Wings operate. Right. They needed to just keep it tied and then win in overtime. Of course. And because they can't hold the third period lead ever as, like, we've we've known this for years. I wanted... Uh after the tie, I, I tweeted out. I said, "This is prime Andreas Athanasiu scores his first goal of the season in dramatic fashion territory." And of course, the Blues hate fun, but that would have been great to see. That would have been fantastic. Athanasiu did look like uh, he's just he's snake bitten at this point because he does look good. He's generating chances. There was uh, an opportunity in the Buffalo game, which was an overall travesty. Honestly, the best part of the Buffalo game was that Joe Valeno scored his first professional goal. With the Grand Rapids Griffins in the AHL. Yeah. Um, Philip Lowe went on a breakaway, uh, put the puck off his pads, and it was just like fluttering under his pads. And Athanasiu took like one swipe at it and then blew past the net because he was going too fast um, and couldn't put it in. And it was just, buddy, just, I know you're gripping the stick so tight, but just stop and tap it. That's all you got to do. He does look good. Um, I think he's due. Larkin finally looked like himself again tonight. Yeah, he had a really good game tonight. He looked good. Bertuzzi looked good. Hironik looked great. Chalosky looked good. Um, Philpo actually looked noticeable for maybe the first time this season. I saw Man- Mantha had a great game. Beautiful pass on the Philpo goal, too. FYI. Yes. Yeah, so it definitely was. It, the, the, Hiroshi had a great game. Did you see that one that dangle? That oh. little dipsy doodle inside out? I didn't know he had that in him. It was fantastic. He who? just, I don't know who the defenseman was, but he undressed him. Yeah, he walked him. That was bad. Yeah. Um, and then fired it right into Benning's uh, Yeah, yeah, chest. yeah. Well, whatever. That part doesn't time. matter. No, uh, I honestly think the best, the best three players of this game, though, was the Larkin Bertuzzi helm line. Um, well, I mean, Helm played good. No one say he was one of the three best players of this game, but... 
you want to guess who had the highest relative course fee of the game? Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> I don't care. Brad, we always... Did he have a scoring chance himself for this game? Because I don't remember one. Uh, I'm sure he did. What was his... Uh, maybe, maybe not. Heronic, um, I love how he sets up on the left side that office. Yeah, the, they've they really do push it. And anytime a team is stupid enough to let them have that lane, they milk it. And I think that they should be uh, speaking of a, a play that uh, two plays that really pissed me off earlier in the game. Uh, despite him getting his first assist of the season, do you know who continued to be terrible tonight? Mike Green. He was bad again. Mike, just make the simple play, buddy. You have it in you. All right. I'm going to be a little bit. Because there, there was one play on the power play in the first period. It just, it drove me nuts. Because again, you don't want to over-exaggerate, but this is stuff peewee players do where St. Louis was overloading the right side. Green had the puck on that side. The Blues just abandoned Hronik in the OV spot. Just left him. Passing lane wide open. Not a player within 10, 20 feet of him. And Green fires a soft wrist shot that I don't even think made it to the hash marks before it got blocked. It's just, how do you not make that pass here's the thing green's been not good this year and i think he's he had that terrible game in vancouver was it where he took out yeah he had that terrible game in vancouver and i've seen him slowly scale back his game he doesn't try to do too much with the puck but what it does lead to is missing the simple play because he's trying to make an even simpler one the one where he missed the pass to heroic the puck came back to the point and he just quickly fired it back yeah he he quickly fired it on net i know 100 percent what he was doing there and because he didn't want to hold it too long but with no pressure on him, which is relevant there too. Yeah, that that one was especially bad. But I see him doing a lot where he just tries to make a play where it's like one two touches on the puck and then boom, get rid of it, pass it, push it to open ice, which he kind of does a lot. Which I guess is a step up from a dead giveaway. I don't know. I don't know. My favorite was when he stepped up into the slot, tried toe day, dragging the defenseman, lost the puck, and St. Louis came down on a two on one. Yeah, there's a lot of defenseman steps up, makes the bad play. St. Louis or the other team comes. But down two on one it's it's a, a calling card if you will with <laughs> within the first two minutes of the game i think nemeth went up to the he was on the left side boards like stepped up had a stick on the puck and instead of like hard ring it around hard like give it the pat uh put it or give the pass to the guy who's standing kind of like inside the circle or even cycle it back to the point because someone was covering it he just kind of like half tapped it into the corner st louis got the puck Fired it down for the breakout right away. It, they were going down on an odd man rush, and then Nemeth went back and took a pretty unnecessary hook. Led to the power play, led to a quick St. Louis goal. And it's like, all right, step up. Yeah, that's fine. Even if you're not an offensive defenseman, step up. But do something and do it hard. Like, don't half-ass this. Commit yeah. it. Ring it Just around. full the, ass. Full ass. All, you know what? Someone who has access to the Red Wings locker room walk in and just say, just full ass it. Just full ass. All the time ass. That's all you need. But no, Mike, Mike Green. And we have an episode title. Look at that. <laughs> Just full ass. Just full ass. No, Mike Green, I think, is trying to temper how much he affects the game. And I think that's intentional from the coaching staff as well. I have, in his defense, seen some more of the positive offensive plays that he can create. And the only reason he's the one doing it is because no one else on the Red Wings roster can consistently. Hronik well, and Chalosky can get there, but they can't be on the ice all the time. No, and they've been doing it more more consistently and more effectively than he has this year. Chalosky had a few good rushes. Chalosky's still like great for two awful turnovers a game. Oh, absolutely. But at least when he's trying stuff, it's working more often than not. I'm happy with Chalosky using this full 82 games, hopefully as 
his, you know, sandbox. Part of the learning curve. Absolutely is. Let's try some shit, see what happens. Yeah, why not? Heronik's doing it and it's going well. And you know what? He's not perfect defensively. He has a lot of missed coverages. Uh, uh, Derek James, um, our basketball friend who's very into the Red Wings, pointed something out. He's like, why did... Like, did Heronik just miss his coverage on this goal? And I can't remember what game it was. But Heronik was covering one man in front of the net. There was a second one collapsing inwards. Um, I believe it was Daly who was supposed to be, who was kind of near that that uh, attacker. And the puck came into the slot. Like, it trickled through because of a shot. And Heronik just completely lost where the puck was. And instead of either going to where the puck was or sticking with his man, he just kind of skated away from both which led to an easy one-two goal into the net. So, like, Hironic does have a lot of problems he needs to fix in his own zone defensively. But considering how much offense he brings to the game, it makes this year a lot more palatable palatable from him. Um, I'm happy with how he's done. No, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not been a train wreck defensively. He's been passable, which is good. And if you need if you need a number one defenseman to develop and he has holes in his defensive game, what better time to learn and work on those when it doesn't matter? And for everyone, everyone keeps doing this where uh, I'll will tweet out something like the Red Wings can't be doing this or the Red Wings need to be doing this. And everyone's like, right, but it's better when they suck. We trust me. We understand. Trust us. We get (laughs) the notion of a tanking year being good for the Red Wings in the long haul. But it's you can't. If you just want us to say that all the time, then we won't even watch the games and talk to you guys about them. We'll still be competitive and lose. Yeah, right. That's because the skill of our team is less than the skill of 29 other teams. (laughs) Maybe 30. (laughs) The Red Wings can't even tank, right? They're tanking at the same time as the Ottawa Senators exist. I don't know, man. That's not our fault. (laughs) That's not our fault. Seven straight regulation losses and then an eighth loss where you only get one one point out of 16. I think that's a really good tank. And yet the Senators are still two full points behind the Wings. Mind you. Detroit's played more games than almost every team in the and league. And Ottawa's up tonight. Ottawa's 4-2 on San Jose. Oh, buddy, they're going to pass us. So then that only leaves New Jersey and Chicago behind Detroit. One point behind in each of their cases, but three games in hand for both of them. I think they can both muster an overtime loss in three games. Oh, they can certainly try. Detroit, uh, as it stands as of this moment, has the worst goal differential in the league by four. By far, by four. By four. By number. four? But by four, but given how early it is in the <laughs> by season. By far, by four. <laughs> by far, by four. Given how early it is in the season, both of those statements kind of apply. Because um, everybody else is within like one of each other. Yeah, since the last podcast, the Red Wings lost to Ottawa. We were recording like as that game started. That was a toilet bowl. Lo- yeah, they lost the first toilet bowl game. Neither or did team- they win the toilet bowl? Yes, they did win the toilet bowl. They technically won the toilet bowl. They lost to Buffalo in regulation in a stinker and then lost to, tonight to St. Louis in overtime. They have Edmonton on Tuesday night before we see uh, you guys again. I think the next episode will be coming on the 30th because the 31st is Halloween. I don't know if Brad is free then, which will be bad if you're not. It'll be late. It'll be Brad if you're not. Uh, well, it, that's Thursday, right? Uh, I damn no. well better be home or else Mika going to be angry. Oh, I'm not concerned about Mika getting candy. Actually, I am because then there's candy when we come over. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. I don't love this discussion because I think it's early to have it and we might be doing it a lot. Um, it's it's, it's going to be a weekly theme. We should just t- get a sponsor and title it. The Jeff Blashill discussion. Yes. Oh, we're doing it again? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who's it sponsored by? We need a sponsor for this segment. Uh, it's sponsored by 
Uh, Arjun Shanker. Okay. Uh, I picked a random patron. <laughs> so we need to think of a way to like the Blash date or the how do we how do we turn Blash Hill's name into a weekly update just to annoy everybody the Blash further? Date. Uh, Blash date up uphill. I don't know the Blash date. Anyways, has his seat gotten hotter through this losing streak, or is this part of what we've been preaching uh, with this team's not going to win a lot and they are not expecting Blash Hill to win? His seat better have gotten hot because we've said it all year. We know we're going to be bad no matter what happens, but please, for the love of God, be competitive. In this losing streak, how many games would you say they were competitive? Two? Maybe three? That's horrible. You should be competitive in 90% of the games you play at worst. At worst. Even the Red Wings last year, for as bad as they were, I think led the league in one goal games. And we had a ton of loser points last year. Yeah. Perfect. Not on the loser points, but one goal games. They're losing, which is ultimately in the grand scheme, the best thing for this team right now, but they're in the game. These five, one blowouts, another five goals against tonight. It, the absolute egg they laid against Buffalo. Those are the one thing you have to avoid. How are Larkin and Mantha and Bertuzzi and Athanasiu and Hironik and Cholosky supposed to know what a competitive team feels like if they're not part of one? Yeah, when the losses start to pile up, somebody's got to answer for it. And, you know, for a while, you the players will blame themselves. But eventually, the, the quick fix, maybe not a fix, but the quick thing to do is get rid of your coach. And you see that time and time again in the NHL. Now, now normally, I wouldn't sit here and say to get rid of Blashill, even though I disagree with 75% of what he does. Because I he's new to Iserman's regime. Eisenman doesn't fully know what he has in Blashill. So I, I was fully on board and understanding if they wanted to give him the full year. You don't want to bring a brand new quality coach into a team that you know is not going to be competitive for a couple of years because that's not fair to him. Mm-hmm. But the Red Wings, the one defense I have the other way is the Red Wings are in a unique position right now where they have a qualified NHL coach who's won at this level already on the staff. Okay, he won with Crosby and Malkin. I'm not saying Disco Dan's a, a great coach. I'm not even saying he's necessarily a good coach. But if the Red Wings are not competitive this year and Eisenman decides this is not an environment to put this through, they don't have to bring anybody else in. They can slap the interim label on Disco Dan to ride out the season and then go on a big coaching hunt in the offseason as coaches from other teams get fired, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying if that's the right thing to do because I honestly don't know. I'm not a fan of Blashill, but I don't know if you should fire a coach in the middle of one of the worst seasons your team, your franchise is ever going to have. It's still so hard to tell what we have with Blashill. He makes a lot of questionable decisions, but look what he's working with. If he's making questionable decisions and we had, you know, let's just say Crosby and Malkin sitting on the bench, that's one thing. Um, We got pretty much a first line right now, but what does he do? Like, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. So I, th- I think we have enough of a sample size. It's been, what, five or six years now? He's, he came into playoff teams. We can laugh. Well, we the can cliff la- was coming. No, we yeah. knew the cliff was coming. But at the time he came in, it was at least a playoff team. This was a team that made the playoffs the year before he got here and the first year he was here. And it's been a steady decline since. We've seen... That he has no courage of conviction in his decision-making. Ever. 
five years of never being able to stick with anything he does. We've seen the power plays in the special teams consistently be awful. I will argue a lot of things about how bad this team is, but the Red Wings have the personnel on the staff to have a really good power play. They should. They have cannons on each of the units and a lot of guys who can play in the right spots as it stands. And it's still awful. Uh, Their breakout has been consistently terrible. And yes, bad defense does not help with that, but you can at least make it competent. It's not. We've seen his personnel deployments, the ablocators and helms jumping up to the first line. We've seen, you know, he can't keep the top line together. Whether or not he could or should doesn't matter. But it's just, he never sticks to a decision. His decisions generally tend to burn him more than they help him. Even though I actually admittedly kind of like their current iterations of the lines. I'll give him that. Um, It's just... we know who he is, and I can't see how any of this benefits the team. It's easy to say if he had a Crosby or a Malkin, he could win a cup. Well, man, I think if I had a Crosby and a Malkin, I might get at least one. And I've never coached a day in my life outside of like minor hockey girls. I think so. what it really comes down to the checklist is competitiveness and youth development. Who gives a sh- who cares what happens with the applicator and all the veterans? It's what's happening with the young players. Are they do they continue to take a step forward in their development under Blashill? And I think if that's a yes, I think he stays around until there's a, until he either sees himself out the door or a top-notch candidate gets fired from another team or becomes available and they're a more correct fit for this team going forward. I'm glad you brought up up the development one because this is an argument I hear in his favor a lot and I actually strongly disagree with it. Because people will point to, well, look at how far Athanasiu and Mantha have come. And my counter to that is, look how long it took. These are guys who probably should have been performing at this level for a couple of years now. Um, look at Rasmussen and Cholosky last year. Both regressed as the season went along. Uh, Larkin, I think, is just such a special talent that he would have got here either way. But he got here. We'll count that as a tick in Blashill's column. Hronik is probably a tick in Blashill's column. Bertuzzi jury's still out on because we don't know if this is consistent. I think it is, so we'll give him a tick. He's batting 500 there, and on a rebuild, 500's not going to cut it. Well, I don't know, though. Like, 500 is also not the worst. It's not the worst. Especially when two of them are first liners and one of them is poised to be your best defenseman. Who is who are our non-five, who are our non-checks? Um, Rasmussen, Chalosky, Athanasiu, Mantha are the ones that I, I throw against. I like that where Athanasiu and Mantha have come. Both of them are still tremendously inconsistent, and I still think both of them took way too long to get where they are now. Mantha had all these tools in his tool, tool belt years ago. Again, it's debatable. I'm not, this is not a hill I'm willing to die on. I'm not that strong on it, but I'm just yeah. saying I don't think it's an argument in his favor. I don't really think it's an argument against him, though, at the same time. Yeah, I think it's yeah, about it's a kind of like a gray area. Yeah. It's very subjective, I would say. Ironically, I'm the one who brought it up, in my opinion, is that I'm withholding an opinion because I don't think there's a purpose to really having one at this point. I don't think necessarily that anything you, Brad, said was wrong, and I don't think necessarily anything that you said, Evan, was wrong. Like 
yeah, he's done a lot of stuff objectively wrong in my mind. His blending of the lines, which I'm not going to hold against him in these past few games because there's been a slew of injuries. I don't even care anymore. No, like keep trying to keep track of the lines is a nightmare. Um, but his blending of the lines over the years, the way he's handled some personnel stuff, I don't think he's been as amazing in player development as people give him credit for. Although the last couple of years really have taken a turn in his favor. So you would like to see for his sake that uh, keep trending. Uh, but like Evan said, like, there's almost no point right now. You kind of just want to wait for that premier candidate to open up because this year is going to suck no matter who it is. It's like the Oilers. We, let's say we bring in Ken Hitchcock. We might get a couple more wins because we have a seasoned coach. Like, But what does it matter? No, yeah, I'm not saying I'm on. The- I mean, at some point, you know, when we've got 20 losses oh, yeah. in 25 games, you got to do something because you got to shake it up. Oh, they might get there. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're on pace. Yeah. Again. So, you know... And, and then I look at a team around us. Let's look at New Jersey, for example. That's the hottest seat in town. Yeah, they are yeah. so far below the amount of expected wins. Hotter than Dallas? No. Jim Montgomery it's and close. John it's, Hines, they are... Those are hot seats. Yeah, they are toe-tapping they right now. Ex- but those are teams with expectations, and we have nothing. Um, but yeah, everything we've already said... Uh, I, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't care, really. Like, I don't. Again, I would normally, in any circumstance, say don't get rid of him this year because of all the reasons we've talked about. I just the point I brought up was Detroit is in a unique position where they would not have as many disadvantages if they were to do it this year versus other teams because of Bilesma. I think I, I don't really care either way. I don't think either of them are the answer. I think the long-term solution is outside of the organization right now. 100%. But I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't see a winning formula in a, bringing in a new coach right now. If you're really doing don't. it, do it. Whoever the full-time coach is, if they decide it's not Bilesma or Blashill, that's someone they're finding in the offseason, not now. 100% agree with all of that. And I want to be careful to say that there isn't like an unlimited amount of losses this season for Blashill. There is a threshold. I just don't think we've every scenario has a threshold for sure. Circle back to they have to be competitive every night and they have not been. Hence why his seat is hot. If they lost these eight games in a row and every game was by one goal or in overtime. I don't think we're having this conversation right now. I so let's just play. Let's do something for fun. Uh, what is your percentage chance that Jeff Blashill is still the coach at the end of the year? Ooh, Knowing which good. everything that's transpired so far. So we're going to right up to game eighty-two. Hundred percent chance or hundred percent he's gone or zero percent chance? I'll give it stays. seventy that he's gone. No, that he's here. Seventy percent he stays. Seventy percent he stays. I'll go seventy-five. That I think stays. I think he stays. I'm I'm somewhere around there too. You know, unless in the next ten games it. We just get smoked. I'll, I'll just for the sake of something different, I'll say sixty percent. I'll say this: nine games ago, I think it was ninety. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I think for sure the seats warmed up. Yeah. You you you're gonna lose a lot. Just try. We knew we were gonna lose. Try to sprinkle some. There's no there. talent outside of the top line. Yeah. Get a shootout win or something. The keep, re- the Red Wings are bad, but they're not as bad as they've shown in the last two weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Some good news, and this might actually be a sad indication of how hard it is to enjoy the season. Giovanni Smith got called up and played his first couple NHL games, which was cool to see. Good for him. I he obviously didn't do anything one way or the other. I was genuinely excited because I was thought at least this guy might come in, make a big hit, you know, have a like fight someone, pump up the team. Not much really happened with him on the ice. I don't. I didn't really notice him a terribly large amount. Um, 
He's guy. He's guy. But it was cool to see. Glad he got his first couple of games. Uh, his dad was so proud and happy. And I was seems like, like an all around great dude, and everybody loves that guy. So yeah. good for him. Yeah, it was cool. Guy Vonnie Smith. <sighs> Christ, Brad. Couldn't. I was. I was like, why is he smiling so much? <laughs> he thought about that one twenty seconds He's ago. He's been sitting on yep. that one. Um, some news around the NHL. Other Eric, teams are enjoying the season, and we're not. Eric Goodbranson got traded. Why? Anaheim gave up, you know, uh, an asset that's likely not going to pan out in a seventh round pick. So you want to get slower. Let me tell you who we got <laughs> on tap. Like, Eric Goodbranson is just a devastatingly bad defenseman on a worse contract, right? Yeah, they did. Anaheim not realized they could have just had Jonathan Erickson for free for less term. They're not that dissimilar a player. Why are you trading <laughs> for that? There is no single between that Lucic trade and Eric Branson being traded. I will maintain in today's NHL, there's no such thing as an untradeable contract. Justin Abdelkader, tradable. Yep. Danny DeKaiser, tradable. Why is Anaheim taking a- getting assets? Like, why are they taking on players? Uh, Dude, aren't they like top five in the league right now? Who Who's there? Was it uh, Manson? Not for long, now. <laughs> Manson injured? Oh, no, they're 11th. They've been on a bit of a streak. They've had the other way. Anaheim Ducks injuries. One of their defensemen went down, and I can't remember who it was. Oh, that would explain it. They um, needed but then it, That would make sense. That. But then you went, they went and got a guy just to essentially fill in. To be fair, they did body. lose. They did lose Lucas Pisa on waivers to Winnipeg when they tried to bring him back. They put him on waivers. I think it was wasn't he in Switzerland and he signed to come over, but he had to clear waivers. Oh, shut up! Was that it? I think it might have been. Oh. That's a whoops. Admittedly, I it's Lucas Pisa, so I didn't dive too deep into it because who cares? But I think I heard that in passing. Oh, uh, Hampus Lindholm is day to day, and Josh Manson's on IR, so that's mm. why they needed a defensive body. But Eric Branson's not it. It is just not it, Chief. What he has, what two years left at four million dollars per year? Yeah. yeah, this season and next. And you might be saying, "Well, that's just two years, right?" But you could have also not had him for the next yeah. two years. Yeah, there is. This league is wild. Good GMs will do stupid things, and bad bad GMs will do smart things, and bad GMs will do stupid things, and good GMs will do smart things. Everybody's got their their resume, their highlights, and their lowlights. Honestly, whoa, why? I just really don't understand why you're going out and making that move. But regardless, um, it, it does bode well for teams with a lot of anchor contracts. So, you know, a Nielsen could be traded one day. An applicator could be traded one day. Uh, a team might actually view Danny De- Oh, I mean, Danny DeKaiser has been playing good hockey this year. I'll, I'll give him that. But they might actually pay a premium for him. Well, you might be able to fool somebody into something. All right. Do you think it's completely out of this world that Danny DeKaiser fetches a first-round pick? Yes. Are you high? Baby. <laughs> We've seen some crazy things happen. <laughs> Look, the Milan Lucic got traded for the NHL leading goal scorer. Is he still a top right now, James Neal? I think he was tied last night. I've got it up right here. He scored today. Uh, so he currently is with his goal today, assuming it hasn't updated, jumped into either first or second because he's showing 10. Pasternak has 11. Milan Lucic. Got traded for that. Yes. Eric Goodbranson got shipped away from Pittsburgh. Also, other teams in the league, stop helping good teams. It's like it's like when everyone was helping Chicago. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Or Please like stop. When, or like when everybody was helping Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Like they did again. And right Tampa, now. Every, 
people sign in Tampa for a button and some pocket lint. Now I know how every NFL team fan, any, every NFL fan feels about the New England Patriots. Everyone just keeps helping the Patriots. Yes. Ugh. Any other news? Any other news around the league? Toronto fans are melting down, and I'm here for it. Yeah, because they want grit. Thing is, you can be a soft as hell team and still out talent the other team. You know what? They need a Luke Lindenning. Again, Luke Lindenning is playing good enough hockey where he and might be back on that radar. Coaches. If you're okay, say well, Luke Lindenning's more likely to get a first round pick than Danny DeKaiser. I agree. If neither of them will. If you're Kyle Dubas, and let's say Mike Babcock's not getting fired, let's say that's off the table, and Mike Babcock desperately wants someone who will, you know, work in the corners and uh, give it 110 every game and really help his teammates be better. Kyle Dubas is not taking Luke Lindenning. And, and let me t- explain why. Because Jason Spezza was <laughs> Kyle Dubas' guy, and he's basically in Babcock's cabana. So for Babcock to reach out to Dubas to say, I want this guy, he'll tell him to shove it. I guarantee it. I don't think those two see eye to eye at all. No, okay, they but don't. pretend Be- that they do. And Dubas is like, I have to bring in a grinder, but I have to bring in the most effective grinder that I can to offset this. Is Luke Glendening not the perfect asset to bring in? He absolutely is. But Dubas has spent the last two or three off seasons taking away all of Babcock's toys because he didn't want Marlowe playing 20 minutes a night. He didn't want Ron Hainsey playing 28. He didn't want Roman Polak playing 20 minutes a night because Babcock has no idea how to manage his personnel. So, no, he's not bringing in a Luke Lindenning, who he knows damn well will just take ice time away from Marner or Matthews or Nylander or whoever. He is keeping these types of players as far away from the Toronto Maple Leafs as humanly possible while Babcock is there. That is correct. Just saying. He has taken away every one of his toys. All of them. There's nobody left. Um... Do we have anything that we want to talk about before we get... Oh, Joe Valeno scored his first professional goal. We chatted about that. Matt Pumble had a hat-trick. Oh, he did. Yeah. Mort Sider's still good. Uh, let's get into overtime. Overtime today is uh, brought to you by Motor City Garages. It's a family-owned and operated business uh, servicing Metro Detroit. Uh, they do garage flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, preventing teams from beating you in regulation games, uh, nine or regulation nine games in a row, and car lifts. Uh, enough with the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you'd like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and lifetime warranty. Motor City Garages. Park in style we're gonna head over to patreon where all of our patrons get their comments read out uh, as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show uh jeff chen says first of all congrats to brad almost almost we were expecting it delay Uh, that well done Uh, hold on hold on i've got i do have an update that might be in regards to that a tweet that was posted four minutes ago as i'm looking at twitter here congrats to nick sagan and his wife on the birth of their little girl Nice. Congratulations, Nick. I was actually going to text him today to see how that was going. Nick Sagan uh, from Wings Nation, former managing editor of Wings Nation. Uh, That's amazing news. She is adorable. Oh, look at those cheeks. Congratulations, Nick. Um, That's amazing. Uh, Jeff Chen says, uh, secondly, if you had to put the over-under on face-offs one this season, let's say one, <laughs> what would you guys pick? Has the team been bad on face-offs? I honestly don't pay attention. I don't care anymore. I can't. Yes. Although an offensive face-off zone 
offensive zone faceoff win did lead to the Bertuzzi goal today. I can't remember. Was that a win? That was almost a loss because Bertuzzi came to the St. Louis side of the draw to shoot it. I think I was watching a... I think it may have been a Buffalo highlight pack, and they were saying how Buffalo was terrible in face-offs this year. And I was like, hmm, well, they're first in the league. So I guess that doesn't mean anything. No. Uh, Evan Beckner says, is there an epidemic of bad ice in the NHL? I realize many arenas share with basketball, but I feel like ice technology should have advanced enough by now to counter that. Arenas have been sharing for decades. LCA seems to have terrible ice, and I see complaints from many other arenas as well. Is there anything that can be done, or is it just something players have to deal with, except for Ranton, and he obviously couldn't deal? Um. Well, yeah, they have to deal with it. Winnipeg and Calgary had to deal with it last night, like hell. Um. He, yeah, I, I think the the popularity of multi-purpose arenas, which I think are a good thing for economies and downtown cores, but that's a whole other argument. Um, does make for bad ice. A lot of the times you find, and this is sad to say, it's the same deal with cameras where teams just aren't investing the the resources into the you know premier ice technologies or their facilities are too old or things like that i don't really see an excuse for for the lca besides the fact that when they have to switch over from the pistons to the red wings it is problematic um they melt the ice or just cover it they cover Cover it it. yeah they uh they put like mats down and it's a whole thing there's only so much you can do i'm sure there's a threshold but at the same time like it is something that the league is gonna have to prioritize at some point but then again that you have like the Washington Redskins that played on that brutal field that destroyed RG3's career. And you have like the Oakland Raiders playing in a literal baseball diamond. So it's stupid. I remember when um, Toronto FC was first at, uh, coming into the MLS and they had turf and there were players who oh. would, would say, I'm not playing for this team mm-hmm. because they don't have real grass. It's brutal to play on. It's like running on concrete, your knees, hips, all your joints feel terrible. So you know what? Can't blame athletes for refusing such things, but yeah. What are you going to do, really? So with the house, um, Mel and I just got the house on Friday. No ice yet. Um, Building a backyard rink? Yes. Can I come? Uh, Yes, it's very slanted. (laughs) The backyard's very slanted, but we're still building a rink. Hard mode. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's where we're going to train your kids. So they're premier skaters by the time they reach uh, the NHL. Uh, No, we've been watching a lot of HGTV for like home improvements. My most sincere apologies. And uh, there's this one old lady who wanted like concrete or or some kind of like hard surface throughout her whole home for flooring i'm like you're old do you hate your joints you're gonna die i wear crocs indoors anyway so everything is soft for me that is the least surprising thing i've ever heard about honestly do not sleep on crocs i used to hate them and then i put on my buddies at his at our uh at his cottage and I'm converted. Uh, Cody G says, these are the reasons which will force one of you to donate to a charity slash important cause. Evan, every time he misses an episode. <laughs> Ryan, every time you misread someone's name. Or Brad, every time he mentions he's older than Ryan and or Evan. DM me for the bank account number into which you must deposit your donations. Uh, Advanced Water says, so I recently got a third monitor for my computer, which is 99% just to have hockey playing whenever it's the NHL, AHL, WNHL, whatever. First of all, uh, 100% suggest. Oh, that's what we forgot to talk about. The NHL planning out the WNHL. Oh, yeah, we should. We'll get that one next episode because that, that deserves yep. a full topic. Yeah. Watching all this hockey, the Red Wings seem really bad at passing the puck. Is it just me being overly critical? Is it the constant line blends or is it an actual weak point in the organization? Yes, to all of the above. Um, yeah. The Unskilled puck... team can't do skilled things. Yeah, it's the most basic skill and you're going to be missing it. Like shooting also. 
Um, the puck is just constantly bouncing when the Red Wings have it. It's never a tape to tape pass. No, Ever. it's even uh, on the Philpola goal today. Mantha, who made the great pass to Philpola, go back and watch the pass that Mantha had to take off his feet just to get going on that yeah. one. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, congrats to Brad. I'm assuming he and Crystal uh, have or will soon have the baby. Wah, wah. Delay Dylan. it. Uh, it's gonna, it's gotta be Dylan, right? Anyways, I had a question slash comment about Blash Hill, but if Brad's got a new baby, I don't, uh, want to bring this podcast to Blash Hill's levels and instead focus on the positive. So congrats to the new baby, Dylan. It's gotta be Dylan, right? Unless it's Henrik. Yeah. Either way, go wings. Chris Smith says, what's up guys? Wanted to tell you, uh, I think Chris is a new patron. So welcome Chris. And thank you for your support. He says, I want to tell you all thanks for the podcast. It's hard getting good wings chat out in Denver. So it's nice to listen to some reasonable wings talk instead of garbage abs talk. Side note, pour some out uh, for these guys since they aren't able to even watch their team as networks, which are on their own network, which shows that the abs is currently unavailable through cable providers because the owner of the network kind of really sucks. Oh, man, that's brutal. This team wasn't going to win any games this year. We knew that, and the players have to have a reasonable understanding of that as well. That being said, I honestly think we're overvaluing some of our prospects' time in Grand Rapids, especially considering what's happening to our guys up in Detroit. Yeah, I understand not wanting to put a 20-year-old kid into this mess, but we can't take the 22 to uh, 25-year-old kids out of it. Uh, I can't help but think about that pass from Flipper to Athanasiu. What if it were Ras on that rush? Yeah, it's a hypothetical situation, but Ras shoots the puck. Hell, Abdulkader shoots the puck, but it doesn't fit my narrative right now. <laughs> Even if it's Rasmussen making that pass, it's a um, coachable moment that he will learn from his mistakes. Rass, out of everyone, I think should be up on the wings on a full-time basis this year as he looks good and NHL time would make him look better. Zadina would also make the top line more interesting and add a dynamic that Burt simply can't create uh, more opportunities for Larks and Mantha. Uh, and an honest question for a guy like Zadina, does 25 goals in a playoff push in the AHL go further than maybe 59 NHL goals in a bunch of losses? I think we, we've used this narrative before because of what Detroit is very obviously doing. But the part we don't often talk about enough, which is also true, are any of these guys ready for the NHL? Right now, looking at Zadina, Valeno, Rasmussen, Sider, I would say no to all of the above. I, I think that they still have some developing to do. In a perfect world, I would expect Rasmussen and Zadina to get to the point of NHL ready at some point during this season. But I don't think either of them there are there yet. I think they still have a lot of refining to do in their game. Uh, with Rasmussen at some technical things, with Zadine at some mental things. But they both need to get there. So I have no problems with them being in Grand Rapids. The fact that they shouldn't be anywhere near Detroit because of the mess that's presented in front of them is just added reasons to keep them down. But probably not the primary reason they're down. Because right now, if we're talking about a Red Wings team that's trying to win... Is pulling Darren Helm off the top line and putting Philip Zadina there going to improve that line? Probably marginally because that's an extra scoring threat, whereas Helm isn't that. But we're splitting hairs there. And again, Zadina's development is more important than that at this point right now. Uh, also mentions wanting uh, Valeno Insider or is okay with them staying down, uh, but not wanting to watch anyone over the age of 25 dump the puck into the offensive zone and then instantly start the back check. Just give uh, Kasky to, to take Bowie or the ghost of Mike Green's spot for even nice nine games would be thrilled. All that being said, knowing Blash, we would have lines like Zadina playing with Dilla Rose and Applicator while Ras played with Helen Glenn Denning. Good stuff. That Those are very real lines. Yeah, 100%. Also, I just one thing I was thinking about, I was going to tweet it out, but I was just too angry to. Are Jacob Dilla Rose and Christopher N the most 
boring, uninteresting hockey players in the entire NHL. They're they're invisible. Essential guy. They you don't even notice them out there. You see the stat sheets that they play like twelve to fifteen minutes after the game, and you don't remember seeing them once. They contribute nothing of value offensively, but aren't really a liability defensively. So they're just there. Yeah, they That's are. That's what makes the game so much worse to watch. It is because it is boring hockey, uneventful hockey when they're on the ice because the other team's not running their show, which is a good thing. But then when they get the puck, they don't do anything with it. It's a glorified game of ping pong where nobody's having fun. When our team's bad, I want to see at least somebody score, whether it's us or them. That's the one good thing about Ottawa fans, the few of them that are still around watching the Senators tank. It's high event hockey. Yes. Everything is happening all the time. Nothing happens in Red Wings games. There's dozens of them. Literally dozens. They are one of the most low event teams in the NHL and they're bad. It's just, uh, it's so You can hear a mouse fart in some games, I swear. Brian Toll says, um, who I believe is a new patron, so welcome Brian to the Dub Dub family and thank you for the support, man. He says, it seems like only last month we had Mika um, inform us she was going to be a big sister. Hope time flew by for Crystal and best of luck to the Crisco family. Thank you. It's been painfully slow second i want to say thanks to all three of you guys for the objective views and honesty you provide on your pod i was listening to a new pod about the washington capitals my number two team only team that was covered in maryland when i was growing up are we objective yes we we get i think we get criticized for being too critical and i think on some levels that's fair but come on I think we're <laughs> if, we had, if we had a fifty goal if we're being critical of a fifty goal score I could see some some uh, some criticism of us. I think we allow for the subjectivity and I think we allow for the fandom to come through at the right points or at least that's what we try to do. We don't want to be like you know reading off a page or it's no fun if we're always right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in our dreams. Um, that pod will remain unnamed and the host of said podcast stated that the Capitals had a good slash great prospects already in the farm system. However, could not find one Capitals prospect in the hockey writers top 100 had to turn it off. I did find four wings in the list, Kasky, Sider, Valeno and Zadina. So thanks again for keeping it real and not just talking to talk and telling us what we want to hear to get the warm and fuzzies. Can we get a regular happenings at the rapid segment for a good, or for a shot at some good news for the future for the Red Wings to help uh, deal with this losing streak that looks like it may continue to do the next week that is something that we are planning stay tuned for that one once again can't wait to hear the news on the new addition to the family stay fresh dud duds and i'm jealous of advanced water setup maybe he could let us know how they look in grand rapids joseph fournier says brad's top five baby names five hayden four dylan three steve two sergey and one brad jr (laughs) <laughs> Got to agree with advanced water. Line blending happens too often nowadays. Remember how Scotty Bowman was criticized for line blending? He would actually keep lines together to give players time to develop chemistry. Once he had four lines that clicked, he'd then switch things up, much to the fans' frustration and chagrin. Big part of why this team has no identity is that players don't have any chemistry. Think of how different they, the different the recent infamous Athens AA Wally rush would have been if they actually were comfortable knowing how their line mates operated. Evan was right when he said Blashes in a damned if you do, damned if you don't with the lineup. He might as well keep them intact and build on that. Given the roster, status of the roster with the injuries is what I like to see. Bert, Lar- Bert Larkin, Mantha, Athens EU, Nielsen Hirose, Helm Delarose Smith, and Wally Svetch. Now, how about how about these for you charity kickers? Brad, every time he brings up his illustrious playing career as a reason why he's right about anything. Ryan, every time he nonchalantly uses one of his patented cliches like a big fat nothing burger of a statement. And Evan, anytime he doesn't know what's going on at all. that This includes going at least seven minutes without saying anything. His what 
per 60 leads the podcast and is second in the NHL only to Valtteri Filpula. What is this? A puck in an open net? I should pass it to someone else. They'll know what to do with it. Let's wrap up. Uh, the, let's wrap this up with another rousing edition of the Athens CU one for one trade game. A little easier this week since you're minus one member, but not. That's wrong. but not. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Canadian healthcare system. I appreciate that you're free. Yeah. <laughs> Cam York. Mm, no. No, because we don't know enough. Sure. Vili Hainola. Oh. Uh, mm. I'm going to tentatively say no. Tentatively say no. Ask me in December. I'm going to say yes. He's a lefty. We got a lot of righties. He fits well. No. Niels Hoaglander. No. 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 Connor McMichael. No. Yes. No. I, I've always really liked him. This is a good one. Spencer Knight. Oh, yes. God, yes. 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 Alex Newhook. Yes. Um. I think you do it for the chance at the center. I think you do. No. Larkin Valeno Newhook? No, no, no. Can't. I don't I don't have enough yeah. faith in Newhook to get there. Ryan Merkley, no. No. Whoa. That's a no. Uh Rasmus Sandine, yes. 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 Bodie Wild. No. I haven't really heard anything about him in a long time, so I'll say no. No, this is the easiest one ever. Martin Nikash, yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Nick Suzuki. Yes. 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 Cal Foot. No. Uh, no. No by a hair. Robert Thomas. Mm, I would have said yes for sure a year ago, but he's not progressing like I was hoping he would. So I'm going to tentatively say no, but I'm, I hate myself for it. I've got nothing. Uh, I'm going to say no as well. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Um, Ryan Paling, no. Maybe. I'm going to say no, but I feel like that's one of those ones that I'm going to come to regret. Henry Yokiharyu. No. I can't say that name, so I'm going to say no. No. Uh, you can say Athanasiu, but not Yokiharyu. Nokiharyu. Nolan Patrick. Oh, God. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but no. Really? I'd say He's yes. not developing at all, and he is perpetually injured in new and creative ways. I say yes, because if he does stay healthy, oh boy, you got yourself a center. Yeah, I just don't know if you can risk that one. Mm, I'll say yes. Adam Flett says, good afternoon, not posted for a while, as I have no real questions, but today uh, I'm hit with a stomach virus, and I'm laid up with nothing better to do. Haven't seen a post from Rowan, but can only assume his jersey questions will be, what's your favorite England rugby top away from rugby I was wondering about our prospects pool and I keep seeing good numbers from Regula and the keeper in Alberta so my question is twofold how strong is the Alberta league and can the wings move him next season for development purposes and secondly has Regula a serious shot shot at a bottom four wing spot hope you're all well Brad you have no idea what tire it is until you have two kids but it's also the most fun hashtag save fresh cheese bags um, okay, so the AJHL is a small step below the BCHL, which is a small step below the CHL. So it's not the best indicator league. Uh, I think Guylander, if I'm not mistaken, is going to. Guylander. Guylander. He's going to fit right in. Yeah. We need a Guylander. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to make so many Highlander jokes right now. Anyways, um, I think he's going to the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say Colgate. 
I'm not sure. I think that's where he's committed, but I'm not 100%. I might have the school wrong. So that'll give us a really good indication. Um, and Regula is having a very pleasantly surprising season. I We liked him last year. Uh, he's showing way more offense this year than we thought he had in him. He's a co-captain of the Knights, a strong team. I, I mean, there's re- there's legitimate reason to be excited about Regula possibly being a bottom three defenseman on this team in the future. I, in my personal opinion, would go so far as to say he's almost caught up to Lindstrom in my expectations, which is a good sign. It on how his next year goes, assuming he does move to the A. Yeah. Um, no, Regula is having a very surprisingly good season. And people kind of theorize that, you know, there is a lot of talent on the blue line in, in London and it's once. always really hard to evaluate prospects in London because London is always stacked. Yeah. And every time I've watched Regula, he's always in the right spot. He plays a mean game. He's got a good stick. He just had absolutely zero offense. But and now he's playing forward on the power play. Yeah. He's either playing net front or bumper, which is some that's some versatility. Jacob Lozen says, Congrats, Crisco family. My only question is Blashill has to be on the hot seat, right? Last season we saw so many coaches fired. McClellan, Quenville, Stevens, Mike Yo, David Haxtell. Let's all let's go all let's go after X amount all let go after X amount of consecutive losses. Do you think Steve Eisman is a bit more understanding or should Jeff be updating his resume? Most I, of the coaches I listed above would be considered uh, working with teams on the rebuild. I'm a bit frustrated with all those terrible losses, especially to Ottawa. Old Jeff Blashill isn't working with a whole lot of talent, but couldn't we say Athanasiu being goalless is a reflex thing of his coaching? Hate to be one of those fire the coach guys, but if something needs to be done, if you ask me. Thanks for all you do. Congrats to Brad again, and as always, stay fresh, cheese bags. Preemptively, thank you. Um, so here's the thing hindsight's always 2020 but i think we get to say this because we all said this on the podcast way back when i'm still angry that we didn't take a run at quenville or kruger oh yeah that still pisses me 100%. off percent how do we the, know we didn't and Gallant. did do we ever confirm we did not yes because jeff lash is still employed Oh, not guys everybody also wants to go want, yeah. to Detroit. One guy gets to go live in Vegas. The other guy gets to go live in Florida. One of them's living in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, that's Kruger was also a yeah, hard but guy to pin uh, down. Uh, yeah, um, I was all on the Kruger train, and Buffalo fans love the guy now. The hockey world is raving about him. Don Mitchell says short comment this week. Congrats, Brad. Sorry for beating you last week in fantasy. Evan, stay fresh. Ryan, did I lose? What's this week's record going to be? Home against the sad color team. Home against the McDavid's, at the Jerks, at the Cat Team. Cheers, Don. So lost to the Blues. I don't know. I cannot. You can't bet against McDavid and Drysital. Uh, in Carolina is a tough game, and in Florida, full oh boy. If they sneak out with a win, I'll be thrilled. Yes. Liz B says, well, at least the Griffins are good, so that's a thing. Anyone that's uh, able to do so needs to go get to a Griffins game. It'll make you feel a lot better. I'm very thankful I live close enough to take in a handful of Griffins games this season. Yes, they are ours. Is there an airport in Grand Grand Griffins? Oh, boy. Woo. It's late. We are almost done. K-Waz says, uh, my goodness, this PK is brutal. Should the Red Wings change the PK philosophy, like maybe a passive slash small box versus large box? I think they should just stay in position, first of all actually play one of the strategies rather than be an amorphous blob. Let's just try Stan Van Gundy's form a fucking wall. Just whatever. Try anything but what you're doing. <laughs> Joseph Delia says, sup dudes, kind of a little bit of a heartbreaker tonight. 
Uh, kind of glad they didn't win, so I didn't have to hear Paul Woods constantly remind us that we beat the Cup champs. Y'all didn't answer my question last week. Was curious if the Wings would allow four rookies if they're already in the lineup. Stay fresh, my dudes. Um, would the Wings? Yeah, depending on the coach. Would Jeff Blashield? No, absolutely not. I think there's a version of this team, depending on how things shake out, that where they would allow it this year if they needed to. You might honestly see it at the end of the season. We, have a lo- we must have had a lot of rookies near the end of the season last year. Well, they got three right now. Smith, Svechnikov, and Hiroshi. Svechnikov's still technically a rookie, eh? I, th- I think he's yeah. close. Either way, he's close enough. Well, end of the last season, we had Hiroshi, Kuffner. Z- oh, no, Zadina was gone by the time they got there. And Jonathan Erickson. Well, <laughs> yeah. Hironik and Chalowski were rookies last year, technically. I don't think we're And Rasmussen. Yeah. Uh, Rowan says, good day, dud duds. I'll be honest, I did advise to just take the week off because after watching this shit show, I really don't want to hear more about it. Wings have been legit Crisco-ing it a ton lately. Well, only 243 more stress-free days until the 2020 NHL entry draft, and I, for one, would like to be induced into a coma until then. When you need to go night-night for a few months, trust Stay Fresh Cheese Bags to keep you induced in dreamland. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company and Dr. Spaceman's choice. Rugby time, business end of the World Cup, and sadly it's been cancelled since England demolished New Zealand and now square off with South Africa for the William Webb Ellis Trophy. It really pains me to say this, but England looked like they'll win comfortably, but a final is a final and anything can happen. Wales and New Zealand play off for bronze. Pick them. If England beat New Zealand and they did it handily, I think they take it. I'm going England and Wales. Jersey time. The Columbus Cannon jerseys is heaps good. Today it squares off with... Uh, with the Jets Heritage Classic jersey from the outdoor game that we totally knew was on in the Canucks' 50th anniversary blue and green alts, which are fantastic. Rank them, but do it good. So the Canucks current third, the Jets outdoor, and the Blue Jackets canon? Yeah. Jets, Canucks, Jackets. I will go Jets for sure first. Um, Canucks, Jackets, yeah. I And I love the Jackets jersey. I abstain. What? I don't even know what any of them look like. The Canon jersey? Oh, yeah. yeah. The one with the baby blue. The Canucks new thirds are actually pretty dope. And the just think old Winnipeg Jets. Okay, Winnipeg then. <laughs> Winnipeg's first. Uh, with that, we are going to uh, wrap up this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast. We do have an exciting, exciting, exciting announcement for next episode. Patrons. Shut up. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll let you guys get well, in on that Brad, one. you can listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll have plenty of time in a hospital waiting room. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our name-level sponsors. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Matthew McKay, Hannah Lee, Kalen Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Mike DiLoretto, Simon Anderson. Thank you all so much. Congratulations to Jeremiah Tesno for winning our patron gold jersey giveaway. And we will see you guys on Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.